you are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It is Wednesday, October 10th. Penn State just a few days from getting back on the football field. Nittany Lions hosting the Michigan State Spartans. 3.30 at Beaver Stadium this Saturday. It is homecoming in Happy Valley. Always a nice weekend there. We're going to talk a lot about that game on both Thursday and Friday's show. We also got into it a little bit on yesterday's show. We spoke with John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. Also had a whole segment devoted to the Land Grant Trophy. So if you missed that, uh, I urge you to go back and check out Tuesday's show. But on today's show, we're going to talk about James Franklin. So it feels like it's almost a new chapter at Penn State for James Franklin of of where he is uh, right now after that Ohio State game and and kind of the comments he made after that game. It felt like, you know, it was a new chapter when he was hired. It felt like it was a big milestone when he beat Ohio State in 2016. And it kind of feels like he's starting a new one now after saying, after acknowledging emotionally that Penn State's a great program and he wants to go from great to elite. So we're going to talk to a few different people who've had some uh, some content written about James Franklin in the last few weeks. Uh, off the bat here, we're going to talk to Matt Fortuna. He's a national college football writer at The Athletic. Matt had a piece a few weeks ago about James Franklin, uh, just how James Franklin kind of controls the chaos in his program. And he, uh, he talked with James Franklin, talked to a lot of people who know James Franklin, got a really good sense of who he is. So we had a nice interview with Matt who gave, gave a, a really good insight about what goes on in James Franklin's mind and how he runs his program. We're also going to talk to Nick Pollock from Roar Lions. Roar, Nick had a story last week about the promise that James Franklin made after the Ohio State game, promise that he would take this program from, they're done being elite, and it's going to take them to being, or done being great, excuse me, and is going to take them to being an elite program. Nick uh, compared that to the dominate the state promise that James Franklin made on his first day as Penn State's coach. And uh, we're going to talk about the similarities of that and and to how James Franklin has fulfilled his first promise and how he can fulfill this one. So I really enjoyed both of these interviews. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, anything you want to say about your opinions on James Franklin, you can tweet us. We are at LockedOnNittany on Twitter. You can also find me at Spionovich on Twitter. You can also email the show. We are LockedOnNittanyLions at gmail.com. All right, but without further ado, here is my interview with Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. All right, I am happy to be joined now by Matt Fortuna. He is a national college football writer at The Athletic. He had a piece go up a couple weeks ago called James Franklin Controls the Chaos to Find a Winning Formula at Penn State. Urge all Penn State fans to check it out if they haven't already. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. How's it going? Going well. Appreciate the, the very kind intro. How's everything with you, buddy? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Um, so you you had the chance to talk with James Franklin. This was uh, before the Ohio State game a couple weeks ago. Uh, you, you got the chance to talk to him, and, and you your story is a lot about how he has a very controlled environment around him, and everything is very regimented down to the to minute, almost down to the second uh, for his daily schedule. Uh, what stood out to you the most about talking to him or talking to some of the people that know him best uh, when, when you did this story a couple weeks ago? You know, Steve, he's the one, I don't want to say the one guy, but, you know, he really stands out compared to other 
big time college football coaches I talk to um, in the sense that he seems very, uh, I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but uh, very comfortable with who he is. I mean, he really takes ownership of kind of the madman that he is. Um, <laughs> you've seen him at press conferences when he uh, you know, openly says, you know, I read every single thing you guys write, right? That's like the opposite mm-hmm. of every coach speak ever. They always say, we don't care what you write. And they're usually checking their Twitter mentions to see who wants them fired. I mean, James, uh, you know, reads everything. Uh, is very anal about a lot of things, which isn't all that unique in that business. But, uh, you know, I thought he also gave a really good speech. I think it was last year at uh, the coaches convention. Um, and he talked a lot about just that being who you are. And he said something to the effect of, you know, David Shaw is one of my favorite people in this business. I wish I could be like him, you know, calm, cool and collected at all times, but that's not me. You know, I'm a nut job. My ops guy, Michael Hazel's a nut job. He's always uh, <laughs> sending me articles and crazy things to, to, to help me make this program better. Um, and that's really James Franklin. I mean, if you look at his career, it is kind of the most unconventional of paths, right? I mean, he played at East Stroudsburg. Um, he jokingly thought he was going to become an NFL quarterback there. And, you know, he was a psych major and he had all these other kind of grand career aspirations. And, you know, one thing leads to another and he becomes a GA, but, you know, he went everywhere, NFL Europe, Washington State, I think it was, uh, Idaho, uh, Vanderbilt, Maryland, Green Bay Packers. I mean, he's literally been in every single part of the country. Um, and he's done it all, really, by kind of carving out his own path. He didn't have anything handed to him. Uh, he knows uh, the magnitude of the opportunity that he has right now. And, you know, th- this past weekend aside against Ohio State, I mean, he's really done the absolute most with it. I mean, I, as a Penn Stater myself, I don't know if I ever saw them – getting back to that elite top five level um, that he has him at, let alone this soon, you know, just a few years after sanctions. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get into that in in just a little bit, but uh, real quickly, a couple more things about, about the piece. And actually this was after the Ohio state game, James Franklin literally said at that press conference, quote, if I drove everyone crazy the last four years, we're going to take it to a whole other level end quote after the game. So uh, could you, I, I know people, a lot of the fans know about the, we want to go want to know this week. It's our Super Bowl mantra that he has. What are some of the other things that are, are so, that, that he has regimented down that, that, that he does in his program to keep it on that tight schedule? You know, I think that press conference is a great example of that, actually. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, just five minutes earlier, as we later saw on Twitter, didn't exactly cover himself in glory with the way he reacted on the field to, to, to cameramen and, and to, to some angry fans. But uh, you watch that press conference, and there are a lot of different ways to go there. There's a lot of different ways to spin it after losing a game that, frankly, they should have won. Um, and he's in there talking about uh, all the little details Monday through Friday that help make a program elite. And I thought the one thing, and you would know this, the people who are in the room would know this, uh, I'm not sure the general public watching the quotes or reading the quotes just, just off a sheet of paper would know this, though, is uh, that room, that press conference room in Beaver Stadium, there's a balcony there. And that's mm-hmm. where the recruits are with their families. And they had a lot of recruits there that game. And they're all sitting in there um, at the end of their official visits, listening to the head coach speak in light of a, a gutting loss. And James Franklin is talking to those people more than he's talking to you, me, whoever's in that room, whoever's behind the cameras. And you even see him, if you watch closely in that press conference, um, he's saying something along the lines of, you know, going from a great program to elite, and he said that we are great, and he kind of looks up. And, you know, on TV, that looks like, you know, who's he looking at? But he's clearly right. looking at the recruits as a reminder of, hey, you know, we're pretty darn good, as you saw out there. We, we didn't exactly get over that hump. 
Uh, but we're in position to do that, and I'm going to work 365 days a year to make sure that we take advantage of that next time we find ourselves in that situation. So uh, I know a lot of people would rather just see him kind of fall on the sword and say, I screwed up as a winnable game and I blew it, and there's certainly some truth in that. Um, but I also think it was very James Franklin-like to, um, in that moment, use it to, to kind of talk about the state of the program and his kind of day-to-day philosophies and how that helps you get from point A to point B. Yeah, and, and not to, to talk about his the way he was after that Ohio State game too much, but it seemed to me what also stood out was the interaction he had. Like he decided to respond to a fan in the student section who said, you know, we got to do something different on fourth and five. And, and usually he would probably just walk away and not say anything. But in that moment, he decided to respond, uh, which got a lot of, you know, there's and it was in front of probably a dozen or so media members, everyone who has their iPhone out and taking pictures or taking video. And it seemed to be like maybe the first time since he was hired at Penn State that he kind of let his emotions get the best of him, take him out of his routine. And then I also think back to the Michigan State game last year. They lose that game. And in the, in, in the aftermath of a tough loss out there, James Franklin runs down a player who didn't shake hands, who went straight to the locker room. And so it seemed like a real big juxtaposition from him, you know, ha- being in his routine and doing the little things even after that game to be make his program want to be. And for maybe the first time after that Ohio State loss, kind of let the emotions get him out of it. Is that is that maybe what you saw too a- after that game? Yeah, I think it was very out of character. And I thought the you know you see different versions of this clip going around Twitter when it happens, and you're trying to figure out what happened. And mm-hmm. I think it was Penn Live that tracked down the kid and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta say, I thought that kid was. I don't know if you saw the video or not. He, he was yeah. pretty like mature about it. Like he was kind of <laughs> like, "Hey, he's frustrated. Yeah, I get it. I, I just wish he coached better." Like, I mean, we've been to our fair share of whiteouts. We've spent you know twelve hour days in those lots. Uh, yep. I've never seen a, a college kid uh, with such a clear eyed view in the aftermath of a gutting loss <laughs> right. after what was presumably a long day of tailgating and, and three hours of screaming your throat off. So. Uh, I thought that was very interesting from a, a student of Penn State standpoint. Uh, but yeah, that was very out of character for James Franklin. Um, I don't think there's any other way to, to spin that. He uh, kind of lost his cool in the heat of the moment. I mean, you understand it if it's, you know, me, you, or that drunk kid or whoever it was. I mean, uh, a lot of people were frustrated. I mean, and I can understand that. I, I uh, Two years in a row now, the Ohio State game, I, I've... Uh, I've been covering another game both times at Notre Dame and I've had that game mm-hmm. on my iPad and have looked, you know, gone down to post game interviews for the game I'm at with Penn state up by double digits. And I look up and they lost and I yeah. asked myself <laughs> what happened. And, uh, you know, to last year's game, I thought a lot of it was smoke and mirrors. I mean, when you looked at the, the stats at the end of the day, I mean, Ohio state was just a much better, more physical team that frankly should have won that game by a lot more. I think a few mm-hmm. special teams plays and fluky plays here and there. Uh, gave Penn State a, a false sense of hope and security. Uh, but this one I had on early, and every time I look out, Penn State's in Ohio State's territory, and it's like three to nothing, it's six to nothing. And then they're fumbling within their own, uh, deep in their own territory. And, you know, just watching it kind of tangentially, um, I'm saying to myself, you know, they're going to lose this game and they're going to blame themselves for not uh, capitalizing in the first half because they had every opportunity in the world and, and they just did not, you know, knock Ohio State out, so to speak. I mean, you just cannot give programs and coaches like Urban Meyer uh, those kind of second and third chances because they are way too talented 
and way too smart to not make you pay for it. And uh, I'm sure, you know, on a subconscious level, James Franklin absolutely knew that. He knew that the game that got away, and he now knows that unless Ohio State loses two games throughout this year, which I don't think is going to happen, but it Mm -hmm. might, um, Penn State blew its chance to be in the driver's seat, and they blew its chance with a a fifth-year senior quarterback who, um, if they win that game, is, is probably on a lot of people's, you know, Fringe Heisman list. I think two is kind of in a league of his own right now, but might yeah. be might be able to get an invite to New York if they win the Big Ten. Um, and they took the ball out of his hands in the biggest play of the game after taking two timeouts as well. So uh, th- there were just uh, a lot of uh, uh, things left open to second guessing for Penn State fans uh, with the way that game unfolded. And uh, I think James Franklin, you know, on a personal level was probably feeling the same things that everyone else was just a little bit more responsibility. And, you know, unfortunately lost his cool at the end, but like you said, it was very out of character, very off brand. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'd like to have that back. Um, but you know, luckily for him, there's a bye week and, and they got a, an extra week to cool off. We'll get back to the interview in a minute, but quickly, I wanted to tell you about locked on Nittany line sponsor, vivid seats. If you're looking for Penn state tickets this season, or looking to tickets for any sporting event or show, you've got to check out Vivid Seats. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code. New customers can get $20 off orders of $200 or more by using the promo code LOCKEDON. So go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, and then use the promo code LOCKEDON that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer. Every Vivid Seats purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. So download the app, enter the promo code Locked On, and get $20 off orders of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. We are with Matt Fortuna. He is a national college football writer at The Athletic. Uh, Matt, I want to zoom out a little bit and just kind of take a picture of where Penn State and where James Franklin is on on the national stage. Uh, You kind of look coming into this year, there's that anonymous poll, I think, that CBS Sports does with a couple D1 coaches, and and James Franklin had the most or was tied for the most votes as being the most overrated coach in college football. There's also, you get a lot of these tweets and online comments about him not being good at X's and O's, especially in a game like the Ohio State game where you lose the biggest game of your season by one point and the most talked about play is a fourth down call that did not go in your favor. So where where do you think the perception is of James Franklin right now on a national level and what can he do to kind of shake off the, the idea that some people, maybe even some Penn State fans have, that he's not, that he's a little overrated as a coach? I think that's the biggest load of crap I've heard in college football, the, the overrated thing with him. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm never a fan of those anonymous polls just because it's usually just giving coaches a chance to, to dim a guy they don't like because of something that happened on the recruiting trail or something of that nature. And I'm sure, you know, on a socioeconomic level, there are other dynamics considering Willie Taggart was also mentioned as a overrated coach. And I at least understand that one in the sense that he's a career coach. He has a career record under 500 and it hasn't exactly mm-hmm. – um, ben all roses at Florida State so far, but James Franklin. I mean, right. the guy won nine games a year at Vanderbilt. I mean, it, 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 and you've seen them revert back to the mean the minute he got out of that place. And for him to come to Penn State and um, you know 
have them in back-to-back New Year's Six Bowl games and on the fringe of national title contention in multiple years. I mean, again, I went to Penn State. I did not think this program was anywhere near uh, that national title contender level, nor would it be for a long, long time because of what had happened there and the sanctions that hamstrung this program. And when you combine that with the fact that the Big Ten, maybe not this year, but this era with Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, Mark Antonio is much tougher than I think it ever was in Joe Paterno's day. Um, I, I just think people were delusional to think that this guy was overrated. I think I had it in the story. I mean, they were seven and six their first two years and got off to a two and two start. And look, the hot seat talk was very real. I mean, there were very important right. people at Penn State who did not like this man and who were ready to let him go if he had another very underwhelming season. And Sandy Barber, of course, had to publicly give him the vote of confidence, which is never a good sign. But I tweeted this at the time, and I remember some staff members at the time liking it and retweeting it. Um, the paternal era of Penn State averaged eight and a half wins a year in, in the Big Ten from 1993 to 2011. And in the four or five years since that, despite crippling sanctions in a much better league, they averaged 7.25 wins. So uh, yeah. this idea that they had to be competing for national titles because of the glory paternal years simply was not true. I mean, he had four losing seasons, I think, in five seasons uh, toward the end of his career. It, it was a program that was, frankly, running on autopilot. I mean, it's amazing in retrospect to think that they won – Big Ten titles in 05 and 08, I think it was, despite the fact that at least 30% of that staff was not recruiting at all. Um, there was so much dead weight there, and everyone there kind of had jobs for life. Um, and so for James Franklin to come in um, it, it you know, do it his way, it's certainly different. It's certainly not the paternal way, as other people would call it. It's certainly um, a different kind of both style as a program, style as an offense, you name it. Um, but for him to come in and have them being the highest scoring team of the nation through the first month of the season, to have them uh, still in position to make their third straight New Year's Six Bowl, uh, to have a, a quarterback like Trace McSorley, who was very under-recruited, who was mostly thought of as a safety by other coaches, um, to have him in on the short list uh, of the discussion of best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, I, I just don't think you could say enough about what this guy has done as a program, as a coach with this program. I mean, uh, the over I, – I, look, he, he – Obviously has some shortcomings in that Ohio State game. I don't think he's unique to that. I mean, Nick Saban has lost games in the past uh, based on his poor decision-making as well. But um, he's one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, top five, maybe top top ten, maybe top five. I mean, I just think um, the idea that he's overrated is complete nonsense. And, um, you know, if Penn State didn't hire him, someone else really good would, and they'd be in a great position right now as well. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I just I don't think people realize that, maybe fully like what the team he inherited was and what kind of challenges he faced there. Um, but all right. And the last thing before I let you go here, I, I know you've covered a, a lot of the big name teams in college football and the big name coaches in college football. And you've kind of seen, let's say in the last couple of years, we've seen some of those programs take that step that James Franklin is talking about taking. You look at, at Dabo Sweeney and what Clemson has gone from, being a, a good team to an elite team in the last couple of years, it certainly seems like Georgia is in the midst of doing that right now. Uh, what what do you think that James Franklin and Penn State has to do to take that final step, and and how long do you think it could take until until it's done? You know, this might sound like a cop out answer, but I I think with all these things, you know, pro sports, college sports, as long as you have a stable and strong program that every year is going to be shooting for at least a New Year's Six Bowl. I think the gateway to a national title or to at least to a playoff 
uh, comes based on what the rest of the dynamics around the country look like. And it's funny you mentioned Dabo Swiddy because I talked to him about this uh, mm-hmm. between the 2014 and 2015 seasons. And he had said something to that effect. He said, hey, you know, we had three or four straight double-digit win seasons. We're right there. I mean, Florida State just won three straight titles. They have Jameis Winston. They have the number one quarterback. You know, I, I remember his quote at the time was something to the effect of, you know, for whatever reason, the football gods made me be the coach of Clemson during the same time that Steve Spurrier's at South Carolina and Jimbo Fisher yeah. at Florida State because they were going 10-2 and two every year, losing yeah. the two biggest games of the year. But we're still doing much better than – Clemson had done in the past, and yeah, he said, you know, we're, yeah, right. <laughs> so he said, you know, if you have a good program, you know, if you're graduating your kids, if you're recruiting well, if you're developing them well, um, you're going to give yourself a shot in any one of these years. And he says this to be on the brink of the 15th season, and that's the year they make it to the national title game under Deshaun Watson, and then the year after that, they win it. Uh, and I don't think Penn State's quite at the level of a Clemson right now, but I mean. Look, is Urban Meyer going to retire at the end of this year? I don't know. I'm not predicting that, but I think he's closer to the end than he is at the beginning, especially with everything that's happened off the field there. And a lot of times, it's just the way the stars align within the conference and around the country. I mean, I think Penn State's right there, and frankly, they should be there this year because they should have beaten Ohio State this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know if there's anything extra they need to be doing um, in terms of taking that program from great to elite. I mean. Yes, the defense could be a little bit better. Uh, the numbers on the offensive line will continue to, to tick upward and will give them more stability there in the trenches. But um, from a program standpoint, I think everything's very healthy right now. Um, again, next to Ohio State, maybe Wisconsin, although they're playing a little bit by different roles because they're in a, a much weaker division. But, you know, they've got as good as anyone in the Big Ten right now. And um, I, I just think, you know, when the year is right, so to speak, um, that will be the year for them to break through. And maybe that was this year. I, I don't know. I mean, certainly the opportunity was there, um, and they're getting a lot of these elite t- Big Ten teams at home this year. But um, I, I just think they're, they're doing things the right way there to uh, have a Big Ten and, and playoff contender in place for the years to come. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, my classroom studies at Penn State certainly prepared me for this podcast all these years after I graduated, and I hope James Franklin is proud of that. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the rest of this season. Maybe we'll talk to you sometime again soon. I'm happy to be joined now by Nick Polak of Roar Lions Roar. Nick wrote a really great story, if you haven't seen it, last week talking about James Franklin's new promise at Penn State. Uh, it, it dives into James Franklin's comments about where Penn State was after the Ohio State game and how they're comfortable being great, but they need to be elite. And uh, he compared it back to the comments that James Franklin made at his introductory press conference when he said he wanted to dominate the state and he went out and did that. So, Nick, thank you so much for joining me here on the show. And can you just kind of tell me a little bit about what struck you about Franklin's comments from after the Ohio State game and, and how you made that connection to uh, to what he said when he first got hired. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks for having me. Um, mm-hmm. So it actually, it, it really, it wasn't something that I was thinking about at the time when I heard the comments. It's something that kind of came up in conversation with friends uh, over the mm-hmm. next, I think, uh, maybe the day after. Um, and somebody, somebody said that, somebody said, um, they're like, you know, this, 
this reminds me of Dominate the State. And I, I kind of got to thinking about it, and I, I, was, in, I was in the room that day uh, in his introductory mm-hmm. press conference, and he made that promise, and um, I can get into that in a second. But it kind of struck me when I heard that. I was like, wow, like this, like he, like James Franklin is a guy who he talks a lot. He understands how to understands how to appeal to the media. So because he's so smart in that regard, he's not really one to make a lot of really concrete promises like that. And this is really the first kind of major thing that I feel like he's promised since that uh, since that first press conference. And mm-hmm. I mean that that's just kind of what struck me is that. I mean, he he put his he put his reputation on the line when he made that dominate the state comment right off the bat, and it it kind of feels like that situation is playing out again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you you go back to, I mean, there, there's a lot of difference between the two press conferences, uh, but they're they're in the same room. It's four and a half years after he was first hired and first introduced himself to the Penn State community, and uh, I mean, really different circumstances, but. When you have an introductory press conference, at least obviously that feels like a, a new chapter in the program. It's going to be every intro press conference is going to feel like that. But kind of going off of, of what you said, and after I read your piece, I kind of felt the same way that this was is now going to be a new chapter after he made that comment. Whether and even if Penn State if it winds up not working out for Penn State in the rest of the season, James Franklin is now, as you mentioned earlier, putting himself on the line and saying we're going to be not just this team that wins 10 games every year, but this team that competes for a national championship every year. Do you kind of feel the same way that, that this is a new chapter for him at Penn State uh, following those comments? Yeah, I, I think it is. And I think it's important to note, too, in this quote, that he didn't say it's going to happen right away. And I mm-hmm. think that that's an important thing to note because that's as good as Penn State has been. Clearly that, and I, they have played Ohio State very well, but Clearly, that Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, like that—that that is a very clear top group. And breaking into that, breaking into that is going to be a challenge. And I think that it's notable and important that he didn't say it's going to happen right away, because as he went on to say, that kind of that last step, getting into like getting from where they were when he took over to now, has been a ton of work. But taking that mm-hmm. last step is going to be a lot of work again. And another friend, when we were talking about it, actually likened it um, to something I thought that was interesting, kind of likened it to a video game. Thinking about how well, you start off as, a, you're, say, you're playing some character, it takes a while to work your way up to a certain level, but every mm-hmm. the higher and higher you get, the more difficult it gets to move up to the next level. And I think that's a pretty good uh, simile to what mm-hmm. he's talking about here. And I, when you go back to those dominate the state comments, he, he he's very he's very careful. He doesn't say we're going to dominate the state right now. We're going to become the right. dominant powerhouse right now. Um, but and like I think it's because he recognizes that this kind of thing takes time. And yeah, they ended up losing the game to Temple. They lost the game to Pitt. They lost the game to Maryland, which of course he mm-hmm. included as part of in state eventually. So um, <laughs> I think it's important. It's it is an important distinction to make that. Um, Yes, he. This is. I think this is clearly the start, at least in his opinion, and hopefully will come to fruition, of being a new era for Penn State. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you also look back. I know in the in the preseason there was that thing where Franklin was voted by some other D one coach mm. the most overrated guy. It, it, there is that perception, and I'm sure there'll be 
you know, a very small percentage of Penn State fans who don't think he's right for the job or, or think he needs to go after if he if he goes ten and two again this year, which is pretty ridiculous. But I think it's just kind of where we are. Uh, with that said, um, you said that going back to the press conference, intro pr- press conference in 2014, you wrote in your piece that you walked out of that room that day and you said you had zero doubt that he was the right guy to mm-hmm. lead Penn State's program. It's looking like he, that was a smart prediction on your end. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but do you still feel that way that James Franklin is the right guy and the guy that can take them from being this ten and two, nine and three, whatever every season to being a legitimate national title contender year in and year out? Absolutely, I absolutely. I think when you combine, um, I mean, clearly he's a fantastic recruiter and one who is getting better. Um, that is really such a giant part of the equation for college football. Um, but then I think one of the things that one of the things that he gets dinged for the most, I think, is actually one of his greatest strengths. This idea that, oh, he's not an X's nose coach. He just relies on his coordinators. I mean, look at Dabo Swinney at Clemson. The mm-hmm. reason that they are so successful is because, I mean, a lot of it is because, because of Brett Venables, who's an incredible defensive coordinator. But he has made very smart hires for his coordinators and his coaches. And that's that's what a head coach does. I mean, even if you're a guy like Jim Harbaugh who has tons of influence on play calling or um, Urban Meyer who takes such a hands-on approach with special teams or a Tom Herman at Texas or a, uh, I mean, a Derek Mason at Vanderbilt, guys that are very, very involved with the play calling, you're, as a head coach, that's, that, doesn't, that doesn't have to be your job, and that's not the job for most of them. Most of your job is just being in charge of the program and put getting guys that are going to put your team in a position to succeed, both then that referring to recruits and to coaches. So mm-hmm. right. I think that he's shown that he can do that. And I think that, I mean, I honestly, if you told me I could trade James Franklin for any other coach in the country, that list is pretty small. I mean, Nick Saban obviously would have to be on that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Urban Meyer would would have been on there, but I'm, if we're going to ignore off the field things, then sure, yeah, he's mm-hmm. still on that list. But um, like, it's a very it's a very small list of guys who I think would be more successful in this spot, and I think he's proven mm-hmm. that he can do this. And yeah, there's there's really no doubt in my mind that um, he can get Penn State to that that final step. Yeah, yeah, he's he's done a lot to erase a lot of those doubts so far. They're still lingering, but. I, and, and I think he knows that that he still has a little bit of work left to do, as he as he mentioned after the Ohio State game, and and he's going to continue to work to get there. That guy is a. I mean, we've talked about on today's show. It's that he's a guy who's going to, when he says something, he's going to try to to go out and get it because he does pick his words very carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Polak from Roar Lions Roar. You can read his piece. James Franklin keeps his promises. It's over at Roar Lions Roar. Nick, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate your uh, insight and uh, your comments on James Franklin. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. I'll have to come back nope. sometime. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. I'll have to join you guys over there one of these days, too. Yes, soon, yes. All right, that will do it for today's episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. I hope you enjoyed our James Franklin discussion. Thank you so much for listening. As I mentioned earlier, we will be back tomorrow on Thursday and on Friday with shows uh, more geared toward the Michigan State game. Uh, and and we'll, get a, we'll get a good look at the Spartans and uh, what this matchup means for Penn State and, and how Penn State can win this game on Saturday. Uh, we also did discuss that a little bit on Tuesday's show, talk about the Land Grant Trophy. If you missed that show, 
You can get all of our shows right downloaded straight to your phone if you subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please leave us a rating and review. That would really help us out. Helps other Penn State fans find the show, and we really appreciate it. We'll be back on Thursday to talk Nittany Lions Spartans. I'll talk to you then.